Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is, 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 is Kickoff in the Valley. Now here's your host, Tyler Vazquez and Gunnar Jackson. All right, welcome into the Kickoff in the Valley podcast where I am not Gunnar Jackson, but over there is going to be Tyler Vasquez, of course, from the Bird Gang Travel Club. In case you're wondering, you've heard the voice before. That's right, friends. Voice of the Bird God, Adam Armbrecht, producer for the Kickoff in the Valley podcast, filling in here. Tyler, how are we feeling about it? Do we think this is going to be a smooth sailing journey or could there be uh, some pitfalls along the way? For the Cardinals or for us? Because I, I mean, yeah, it can go hand in hand. It need not, we need yeah. not divide those, right? It's all the same. Yeah, thing. no, no. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Gutter Jackson. Not ever vacationing like last time. This time he's actually out on assignment. He's at the St. Jude's Conference speaking um, this weekend. So shout out to Gunner doing uh, some good things out there uh, for people in need. So of course, a fantastic cause. So when he um, even vacation wise, I'm not going to begrudge him when he wants to step away just for a little bit of vacation, a little workcation. But in this particular instance, um, nothing but praise for what Gunner is going to be doing. He'll be away for this game and then he'll most likely maybe he'll be back for the post game following the Cardinals matchup on Sunday, but most likely will be back in next week. And that means that he's going to miss out on this bird-on-bird bird action here. Cardinals playing host to the Philadelphia Eagles. You and Gunnar talked about this during the week already. Looking back uh, on the Wednesday show, you look back one last time to that Panthers game. Some more things you get to take away because you're there at the games. A little hard to get that, as Gunnar likes to refer to it, the bird's eye view. But as we tap into this one a little bit more, obviously as we work our way through the week, injury reports become a big component of it. Take a look at the Cardinals side here for first before we talk about the Eagles and maybe getting lucky. Maybe the Eagles get a little uh, a little bit injury riddled here ahead of the Sunday tilt. On the Cardinals side of things, we had today. Good to know that Hollywood Brown was out there working. That would have been an alarm bell ringing in everyone's uh, ears. But you also, of course, had uh, J.J. Watt, who had that very scary incident going back over the last week with a little bit of the heart palpitation, the arrhythmia, had to get his heart back up and running, which I'm not saying tongue-in-cheek. Scary, and he referenced that in the post game, having a bit of an emotional moment there. But he was limited as of yesterday. Today, though, how about this for you, Tyler? Uh, listen, I could say Max Williams, the tight end, was not working today. That could be interesting. But if I said that Rodney Hudson, Max Garcia, and Justin Pugh were all not working, who just happened to be three-fifths of the offensive line, does that get any alarm bells ahead of taking on a dangerous Eagles defense? You know, it's hard to sound the alarm because it's almost like Cliff gives everyone and their brother days off during the week. And so it, it's really hard to determine what are, what of these are serious that like yeah they probably won't play like for example JJ Watt did not practice last week uh towards the middle and the end of the week but then he ended mm-hmm. up playing same thing with Hollywood Brown he got some rest days then he ended up playing so uh, when you see that three of your interior offensive linemen are all hurt and Justin Pugh obviously left the game early last week that that is point for concern regardless if it's just rest days or not 
you know, we're, we're early in the season. And if Kyler Murray is going to stay upright, especially against this defensive uh, front, he's going to need those, those pieces on that offensive line. So a uh, little bit of concern there, but, but luckily as we record this, this is Thursday. We still got a couple of days, a couple of days for guys to feel right, get treatment. Luckily the game's at home. They're not having to travel. So uh, hopefully we'll see them back in the lineup this weekend. Yeah. I literally always say the rest days we're entering week five now. So you're talking about, you know, edging your way towards that middle portion of the season when guys start to get those little dings, those little nicks and scratches, you try to prevent them maybe may aggravating something in the latter stages of the week, make sure they're ultimately going to be out there on Sunday. I will say on the flip side for the Eagles, just when we look over the report quickly here, you get excited for a second because as of Thursday, they had a total of three, six, nine, 12, 16 guys listed on their injury report. Four of them, Jake Elliott, the kicker, obviously, linebacker Patrick Johnson, uh, Avante Maddox, the cornerback, and then tackle Jordan Malata. Uh, they were all DNPs on Thursday. The only other problem here, and we don't want anyone to be hurt there. We have a concussion mixed in there for Patrick Johnson. And after what happened with Tua, you don't anticipate a lot of guys coming back from that any sooner than the absolute maximum timeline in terms of clearing those concussion protocols. However, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the players listed on here were limited participants on Thursday solely for rest purposes. So don't get excited when you hear Fletcher Cox, when you hear wide receiver A.J. Brown, when you hear cornerback James Bradbury, Brandon Graham, defensive end. All just a part of limited practice for rest purposes on Thursday, though you do have Kyron Johnson, the linebacker, uh, in concussion as well. So he was a limited participant, but even in and of itself, the fact that he's out there practicing tends to give you the indication that he's going to be out there as well. So um, not a lot to get excited on the Eagles side of things in terms of thinking maybe you're going to get snake bit. And I saw, do you worry, let me ask you first, do you worry about that? I mean, do you take a real sense of, where the injury report is for the other team. Obviously, if a key player is out, it matters. But I've always been someone who looks at it as, is my team healthy? Am I going to be ready to go? If I'm ready to go, I'll take my chances. Yeah, I don't really worry about the other team because as we saw last year when the Cardinals played the Colts, uh, was that Christmas? I think it was a week before Christmas, something like that. that basically, the whole offensive line was hurt for the Colts and everyone thought, <laughs> man, this was going to be this is going to be a freebie for the Cardinals. And we still couldn't get to the quarterback and we still couldn't uh, get the victory. So relying on the other team's injuries aren't something that I just bank on. I, I, you know, it is good to see uh, not good because you don't want anyone to be hurt, but Malata, their starting left tackle. Uh, he didn't practice at all today. Didn't suit up. Didn't, it, it didn't look like it's a rest day either. It looks like he's genuinely hurt. Um, uh, Darius Slate, who left the game early last week, uh, with a, I believe it was a forearm injury. Uh, he did practice in full earlier this week. So, it, you know, he'll definitely be back. But like you mentioned, uh, Maddox, the other corner, um, he wasn't practicing today either. It didn't seem like a rest day. So you have a couple, two key injuries uh, there, one on the offense and one on the defense that could help you a little bit, right? And then when we talk kickers, we have our own kicker issues. Matt Prater with the hip injury. <laughs> yeah. We just, uh, like we talked about in the last episode, we just signed another kicker. Well, they're having the same issues for the Eagles. Uh, they just lost their starting kicker and just signed someone um, that I don't even think has ever been in the pros. He's only, he played in Texas. Um, I'm trying to pull the name here. It was uh, Texas kicker Cameron Dicker. 
Uh, He signed to their practice squad earlier this week, and it seems like he will be the one to play because it sounds like they've almost completely ruled Jake Elliott out for the Eagles. So in terms of if this is a close game, that does make you feel a little good that if it comes down to a kick for the Eagles, hopefully this works in our favor. But I also I'll call you out from last episode here just briefly because you said you wanted uh Rodrigo Blackenship to be brought in yes, here. I did. You know I he's like not a good Rodrigo. kicker though, right? Like you know he's not good. I was excited about him too. Love the goggles, love the love the little hey, flare when, that he when you look the at field. the numbers though, when you look at the side by side numbers between uh the four guys we brought in, Rodrigo good actually had the best <laughs> So, right. so uh, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Enough. I mean, good kickers, quote unquote, aren't just out there to be had. I mean, if they're a good kicker, they're pretty much in the NFL. Um, you know, you don't see a ton of kickers come out of college and instantly get placed into teams year after year. I mean, it's typically you find a good one. He sticks around for 10, 12, 15 years. Yeah, no, for sure. And we obviously have coming up here in a second. We're going to have uh, Elliot Shore is going to be joining us as we go behind enemy lines, taking a look at the Go Birds podcast and how they look at this matchup. But I just I thought about that kicker. I always like when you're heading into a matchup and you're worried about, do I have a kicker that I have confidence in getting it between the uprights as opposed to a couple of those joints, as we like to say? The one th- other thing that I want to bring up before we get into uh, behind the enemy lines here, you and Gunner were talking about um, hopefully maybe the Eagles looking past the Cardinals a little bit, right? Catch them snoozing a little bit. They got a big division matchup coming up the next week. The only issue is the media wanted to do that, but Jalen Hurts, when they were talking mm-hmm. with him, they were talking about everything but the game, and he brought it back and goes, yeah, I just want to make sure everyone knows Cardinals, that you know they do a lot of things. They come at you defensively, have a lot of fast guys over there. This is going to be a tough matchup for us, so... If there was any glimmer that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles were going beyond this week, it sounds like the QB is going to keep uh, the Cardinals front and center. No, great leadership by him too, though. I mean, he wasn't just going to let it. He wasn't going to let them put the bulletin board material in the locker room of, did you see this? Hurts had a whole interview where he just talked about the Madden cast and and everything but our team. So, yeah, no, I mean, the Eagles are, are, when you're undefeated, right? you're not trying to look past anybody. You're playing one game at a time and you're just trying to keep that streak going. Uh, I did read that since 2000, 10 teams that were the last team uh, to finish undefeated have gone to the Super Bowl. right? The last team did it in 2019, so the, the last two people have done this did not, but the Cardinals will look to hopefully uh, end that for the Eagles right now and then hopefully, uh, hopefully we can end that down the road too and they won't beat us in like an MV- NFC Championship rematch, right? So obviously looking way far ahead there but sure but but you know what but it is it's funny too because the last thing i'll say before we we get into behind the enemy lines here is just when you look at where this team came from the philadelphia eagles and we say this about everybody at least i I always look at this from an nfl perspective they come out they have a a barn burner with the detroit lions i think really try to come back there late in that game the 35 38 35 there Mm -hmm. in week one they handle the vikings pretty handily the commanders in their division kind of a disaster this year the surprising jaguars they get that win uh, in a game where jalen hurts was not doing what he's done over the first few weeks so i always wonder about when you look at a team undefeated is undefeated so it's a certain point you just say they are what their record says undefeated and yet this is a team probably in the eagles that coming up over the next geez actually got to go a little bit down the schedule here eagles have a nice start to their year to get out to a really really dominant record with another date with the commanders on tap the texans are in the mix there the steelers are in the mix so you may not fully learn 
how potent this Eagles team can be until you get down the stretch there. And I don't know, maybe look at the Packers. Gosh, I got to tell you, man. The, let, the let, Eagles are favored in every game remaining this season. And we're only in what, week five? I mean, there's no, there's no reason not to be, by the way, because yeah, I, I, yeah. I, was, I was trying to walk myself down to the spot where, hey, here comes the dangerous matchup. I mean, the one against the Cowboys is going to be important, but we don't know where Dak's going to be when that one comes up. But the Packers aren't the same kind of team right now. The, car, uh, the, excuse me, the Colts have stumbled out of the gates. The Titans, right? Then you get the divisional Giants who have a good record, but are they really a good team? The Bears, like... This is setting up nicely for them. So we, without without giving too many flowers at the feet of the Eagles, let's go ahead and get in our behind the enemy lines guest today, Elliot Shore Parks. Excuse me. I think I uh, actually left off the full last name there when I was talking about him glowingly from the Go Birds podcast. Elliot, how are we, sir, man? Welcome to the Kickoff in the Valley podcast. Hey, what's going on? How you guys doing? Thanks for uh, having me on. You better yeah, believe Elliot. it, man. Oh. Yep, Elliot's oh, from our our brother podcast uh, on the Odyssey Sports Network. Go Birds, uh, Elliot! First thing I want to hit you with is AJ Brown, yeah. big marquee acquisition for the Eagles this off season. Can you just, as we look at your guys's offense, because I, I mean that's let's face it, the NFL offense is sexy, and when we look at the Eagles' offense. It's everything the Cardinals want their offense to be yeah. uh, at most times. You know, last weekend, Hertz did have some struggles. He had a 72 passer rating, uh, had an interception, no touchdowns. But your your run game was huge. But let's let's go specifically into A.J. Brown. Talk about the difference he's made in that uh, Eagles offense. He's been, I mean, he's been huge. If you look at what he's done for this offense, it's giving the Eagles something they didn't have last year, which is a play they can go to when they really need to pass the ball. Last year, they struggled to pass the ball for a lot of reasons. Jalen was part of the reason. The receivers were part of the reason. The coaching, like everyone holds blame. But what they didn't have was a play where it's third and seven, third and four, just a play they could count on. And that's what AJ's given them. The combination of Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown has been borderline unstoppable uh, so far through four games. A.J. Brown, I've covered the team almost 10 years. He's easily the best receiver I've seen on this team. A lot of people around here feel he's the best receiver since Terrell Owens. So physically, he's a really tough matchup for any opposing uh, defensive back. He's tough after the catch. He's great at the line of scrimmage. And him and Jalen have great chemistry. So when you replace Jalen Rager with A.J. Brown, it's going to help help the passing game. And uh, that, that's what's happened so far. <laughs> Not to not not to be dismissive of, of Rager, right? But there is a little thing called upgrading the skills position. Yeah. One thing um, on AJ Brown, when I you look over some next gen stats and just talking about some of the top guys at the position in the league, I mean Tyree Kill seems like he's ready to surge here, a little bit head and shoulders above some of the other receivers. But AJ Brown is essentially second, four hundred plus yards already on the se- on the season receiving. His separation though is kind. It's among the lower rung inside of that upper echelon wide receiver group, the Justin Jefferson's even Cooper cup, right? Stefan Diggs, Tyree kill is head and shoulder above everybody at 3.9, 2.6 yards of separation. What is it about AJ Brown that he's still able to be successful in that regard? Because you do look at his catch percentage as well, 65, almost 66%. It's right in the mix there, but it's, is this just targeting? Is this just volume? And then how good he obviously is and saying, Hey, enough, enough drops in the well. And we know we're going to see production. We know we're going to see big plays. Yeah. So he's not a guy that creates a ton of separation. As you said, that's not really his game. Um, I don't want to compare him to a tight end because he is 
quicker than most tight ends, obviously. But he plays that type of game in the way that he does work the middle of the field quite a bit. And he's really, really good at contested catches. Like he doesn't need, you know, the three yards of separation to come down with the ball. He has really strong hands. Jalen's done a really good job putting the ball right where he where it should be, whether that's on the numbers or out in front so that he can keep running. But that's the thing about AJ. I mean, he did have one drop kind of last week. I mean, it was pouring rain. But ultimately, those 50-50 balls, he likes to say, you know, he views them as, you know, 70-30 or even higher. He really feels that those passes that are that are right in the middle, that he doesn't have a ton of separation, he's going to come down with them. And that's what they've seen so far in four games. Now, the danger of that is a lot of his game is over the middle, you know, where there's linebackers, a lot of bad things can happen, tip passes, pop up, those type of things. He's not the Tyree kill where he's just going to go down the sideline and create a ton of separation that way. They use him all over. He lines up in the slot. And as a result, yes, he does not create that separation, but it's just really not his game, but it, it's been really successful so far. Speaking about the offense there. Oh, go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, speaking about the offense, uh, Miles Sanders, it's a player for the past couple of seasons that I think everyone around the league, especially in the fantasy world, is like, man, yeah. if this guy could stay healthy, he's just a dominant player. Coming off a huge game last week, 27 carries, 134 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, when, when Hurts is struggling, he was able to put the team on his shoulders and, and really, uh, really guide you guys to that victory. So talk to us about Miles Sanders and the difference he makes for the offense. Yeah, Miles is interesting. So I've obviously covered him since he came here. And I'm sure you guys have seen players like this with the Cardinals where right away you can tell they're insanely talented. They can do everything they want on the field, but it just never comes together, whether that's because of injury, lack of opportunity, being on a bad team. You know, in the NFL, so much of it is just about chances. Everyone in the NFL is talented. And Miles is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. His ability to stop on a dime, his ability to make people miss. He can be dynamic in the open field. He has breakaway speed. I mean, he can he can really do it all. But the first few years of his career, there's been injury problems. He's dealt with bad quarterback play. So that's kind of held him down a little bit. What I think you're seeing this year is, A, he stayed healthy. That's a huge part of it. He's played in all four games. He feels good going into this Cardinals game. But he's getting a lot, a lot of opportunities as well. He had a career-high 27 carries last week. And as part of that, you're seeing that when you need the offense to run through him, he can do that. Now, the Eagles do have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They do almost regardless of who's out there on the offensive line. Uh, Jeff Statlin does a great job of it. But when you have a running back like Miles, it's that dynamic with that offensive line. It can be incredibly hard for opposing uh, rush defenses to, to stop, as the Eagles saw last year when they played the Saints, who uh, had the number one rushing defense at the time. And last weekend when they played the Jaguars, who had one of the best in, in the league, too. So when Miles gets the ball, he's dynamic. And when he's healthy, he's really hard for opposing offenses, uh, defenses to stop. I want to flip over to the defensive side of the ball here. But also, so Miles Sanders is really what's ruining Gainwell in my fantasy league. That's correct, then? <laughs> this is why I can't get this shifty yeah. little guy who showed some things last year. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, guess what? If Sanders is healthy, you can feel free just to be comfortably holding water bottles on the sideline. Yeah, Gainwell hasn't been as involved as people thought. Um, I think it's for a couple reasons. A, I think Miles is just a way better pure runner at this point. I think he does a better job reading the offensive line. He hits the holes that the Eagles want their running backs to hit. 
and he's just more dynamic than uh, Kenny is at this point. But I also think Gainwell has struggled a little bit in the passing game, probably more than they expected he would. I think coming into the year, they they thought he could be a big part of that, and you drafted him in fantasy. So it certainly was kind of a widespread idea that he would put up big numbers. But with how good Miles is playing, and frankly, with how good Jalen's throwing the ball, they're just not the run-first team that they used to be. So, yeah, Kenny has definitely taken a hit from for his stats because of that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you've got uh, Hassan Reddick obviously coming back to the desert here, spent, spent last year with the uh, Carolina Panthers, three and a half sacks. I mean, this unit who also added division rival James Bradbury for the New York Giants, yeah. it, it just seems like, and we're going to talk quarterbacks here in a second, obviously, with Jalen Hurts, but it seems like the Eagles pushed every right button in the offseason on that side of the ball to go from being, they were already a good defense, but how do you make Fletcher Cox even better? How do you make the pieces you have in place more dynamic? You go out and you add just, it feels like just weapons at every level of the defense, and that's what makes them so dangerous. What are you seeing early in this season and what they've been able to accomplish position by position? So the Eagles are, have always been a team, at least for the last five or so years, where the pass rush is something they could lean on. And that was not the case last year. They got, I think they were 31st in the league in sacks. They weren't able to get after the quarterback consistently. And so they they uh, they made emphasis this offseason to try to do something about it. Hassan Reddick, it, it's, it's he's got a weird career because on one hand, you don't often see guys that have double-digit sacks two years in a row at his age hit the free agency market. And if they do, they certainly get more than $30 million guaranteed. So the fact that he did get the deal he got was somewhat surprising, but he's been great for the Eagles so far. I believe he's tied uh, for the NFL lead in combined sacks and forced fumbles. So he's getting to the quarterback, and when he gets there, he's really good at making a swipe at the ball. He's probably one of the best I've seen in my time covering the Eagles. So the addition of Hassan Reddick has really helped that pass rush. And then once you have a great pass rush, as I'm sure you guys know, although the Cardinals don't have one right now, but when you have a great pass rush, it makes life easier for everybody else. So when your back seven has doesn't have uh, – when they're getting pressure up front for the back seven, life's way easier. And then you add James Bradbury, who might be a number one corner on, on a handful of teams in the NFL. Um, Kaiser White's been great for him. TJ Edwards has, has had an improved year and has arguably been their best defensive player. And then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I don't think has had a great start to the year, but when he's your weak link, that shows how good the defense is at this point. So you look at what they did last year, the fact they held teams uh, you know, relatively frequently below 20 points. Now when they face those better quarterbacks, they have the talent to, to do that as well. Speaking about, uh, home, honestly, homecoming in that regard, like Hassan Red coming back to Arizona. He did go home back to Philly, though. I mean, you could tell he's a Philly guy through and through. We talked about that on our last episode. Right. But but Zach Hurts, you know, he loves Philly. Earlier yeah. this week, one of the first things that I uh, – first times I feel like I've ever seen this – he granted a, a media call with like all of Philly, uh, all the Philadelphia media. And it just was interesting. I, I mean, he, he said today when he was asked, you know, how big is this for him? And he said he hasn't really processed it yet. It hasn't really hit him yet. But Zach Ertz, he's been Mr. Consistent for us ever since coming here when Kyler gets him involved. Uh, you know, talk about just what he what he's meant to that fan base in Philly and meant to that community and, and what you expect out of Zach this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Zach built a Hall of Fame career here in Philadelphia. I think he was one of the first tight ends to kind of get into the wave of being a real part of the passing game. 
Um, you mentioned how consistent he is. In Philadelphia, Zach was elite at being in the right place at the right time. He barely ever dropped any passes. He's an excellent route runner. He's good at creating just enough separation to get to get uh, open for his, for, for his quarterback. And you talk about what he means to Philadelphia. I mean, he's a guy that was drafted here, was here through the Chip Kelly days, was here for the Doug days, won the Super Bowl, has the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl to bring the Eagles their first uh, title in franchise history. I mean, there there will be a day where number 86 is retired uh, in Philadelphia. I don't think anybody will ever wear it again. And he'll go down as one of the best players in franchise history. So on the field, he certainly was a, an amazing player for the Eagles. Off the field, fans love him. He's a very big part of the community. He does a lot of charity work still here in Philadelphia. So uh, although the Eagles do now have a pretty good tight end of their own in Dallas Goddard, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that uh, Eagles fans do miss Zach still somewhat. Well, uh, we'll get you out of here on this, obviously, as we're enjoying a little behind the enemy lines with Elliot Shore Parks from the Go Birds podcast. As uh, Tyler mentioned, our, I guess, bird brother on, on, the, on the network, although these birds are worrying at the moment. Yes. Um, the other thing, obviously, the biggest thing in the NFL is quarterback play. Uh, <laughs> I'll frame this in a very Eagles-friendly context, but why is Jalen Hurts already a better quarterback than Kyler Murray this year? Because yeah. in theory, that's where the question was for Philadelphia. Is Jalen Hurts going to get there? It's why you go get A.J. Brown. Kyler Murray, we, we talk about it all the time on the podcast, the struggles with the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, not being on the same page. What have they done this year to give Jalen Hurts the confidence to play with, even in a game like last week, 200 passing yards, not, you know, not great numbers, uses his legs, leans on the run game. He just looks like he's a kid. I think he, he's, what, fifth in MVP odds right now? Like yeah. He is in that conversation. Is it all deserving? Or when we talk about schedule a little bit, have there been some nice soft starts here for the Eagles at the gate? No, I think it's deserving. Um, I think that when you look at what Jalen has done from last year to this year, he's all, not only is he MVP, he'll be in the discussion if there was a you know, most improved player. He's no. been that. His accuracy is way better. His decision-making is way better. They can lean on him in the passing game. And when you compare him to Kyler, you know, I have not watched every snap of Kyler's career, but what stands out to me about Jalen is he knows how to win football games. Like he is a winning quarterback. You look at what he did at Alabama, what he did at Oklahoma, and the fact that in the NFL, I think he has the most wins since he became the full-time starter uh, at the beginning of last year or or, or something like that. So he doesn't make bad decisions. He doesn't turn the ball over very frequently. He's really big on third downs and his legs, when the play break down, really uh, are a game changer and keep drives alive. So, I mean, he's everything you want a quarterback right now. Uh, certainly consistency is key. Kyler is extremely talented. He's not been able to put it together week after week. Jalen will have to do that. But right now, he he's looking like a franchise quarterback for the Eagles. Last note, just um, obviously this game, five, five and a half points. Eagles are on the road. That makes it a touchdown plus on a neutral site, 49 and a half over under. Yeah. Is this, in theory, the the strongest challenge early on here? Jacksonville's been surprising. But should this be potentially a challenge for the Eagles to test themselves a little bit on both sides? And how do you see this one shaking out? So I think the challenge for the Eagles is just not taking the Cardinals for granted. Um, I do think the Cardinals, look, Kyler Murray showed against uh, Las Vegas. He can take a game over at any point, and that that matters at quarterback. But you look outside of that, the Eagles are better than the Cardinals at, at every position. They have a better offensive line, a better pass rush. They have better cornerbacks. They have better receivers. They have, in my opinion, a considerably better head coach. And when the quarterback is playing better than Kyler is, there's no excuse for the Eagles to lose this game other than them taking the Cardinals lightly. So I think that they will win. Like you said, I think the line is about five, maybe five and a half, depending where you look. 
maybe you don't lay the points, but ultimately the Eagles have been up 15 plus points in every game they've played this year. They have shown that they're they're not going to have a letdown type game. I know they happen in the NFL, but yeah, I think the Eagles come in and win the game. Tyler, uh, any response to the fact that the Eagles are better in every facet? in every face across the board. No, Elliot just broke my heart. And I think I just put my tickets up for sale. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> That's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, obviously, uh, Elliot Shore Parks from the Go Birds podcast. Hit everybody with where they can find you on social, et cetera. So that, listen, if you're going to get behind enemy lines, you might as well do it from a reliable source. Yes. Uh, <laughs> at Go Birds pod, uh, at Elliot Shore Parks on Twitter and 94 WIP all the time. So looking forward to see what happens with this game, and I uh, really appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks so much. Thanks, we'll Elliot. get you out the door here. Elliot Shore Parks from, of course, as we say, behind the enemy line segment, Go Birds podcast. I think that the smart thing there for me, Tyler, was to kind of take control of that conversation because I could visually see, for the listener, maybe you heard it over the podcast, there was just a man was breaking in the background. There was a man just dying, and that was, that was Tyler. Yeah, I, I mean – Pre-talking to Elliot, I had almost convinced myself that we're going to be able to hang in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt pretty. (laughs) I felt like I talked myself up a little bit, Mm -hmm. and then after talking to him, I think I've been brought down to like a harsh reality of what this game may look like this (laughs) Sunday. But yeah, you know, here's the the thing: it only it only takes one game, though, right? Like it'll it'll Mm -hmm. like you guys have been talking. You and Gunnar have talked a lot about how you come out of the first four games being two and two is actually relatively okay. Now this past week, you guys also gave the sentiment of the reason why that's not okay is because of how they actually look on the field. And I'll throw one thing out here to you because we were we're asking obviously about Jalen Hurts. There's a really good next gen stat when we talk about this QB matchup, and it's about completion percentage versus expected completion percentage, right? So, so far this season, Jalen Hurts has an expected completion percentage based on the types of throws and where they're on the field, et cetera, of 64. He's completing almost 67% of his passes. So he's playing above, right? He's playing better football than the expectations would tell you. And there's that great term that seems to have developed over the last couple of seasons in the NFL, a force multiplier. That's what Jalen Hurts has been this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. Interestingly enough, Kyler Murray... He has an expected completion percentage of 68. I really want to ask you about this because I know how we you guys talk about the head coach on the podcast so much. His completion percentage is 65, though. So he is underperforming expectations. How you know, What is the push and pull right now with this team? And the head coach may be saying, hey, I've got you in the right spots, and then you're not completing some of what should be, quote-unquote, easy opportunities. We talk about this every episode. It's just the back and forth between them two, right? Uh, Will either one of them ever acknowledge that they've done something wrong? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I will tell you, I have heard through, oh man, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this out loud. I have heard through whispers that uh, there is some frustration that Kyler does change some of the plays up at the line. Like there are things that are being called and, and he has called he's called audibles without the um direction to do it and so that is a little bit of unscripted audibles usually when you come yeah here's the play call and here are your two audible choices and you're suggesting that maybe he's going to a fourth non-existent option yeah there's a disconnect there somewhere like he he is kyler's kind of doing his own thing at times and i think when you saw on the sideline the last game them fighting back and forth that shows you where this relationship is. Now, when yeah. you look at the one thing I will say to when you pointed out with Hertz that he's playing above expectation, 
you got to hope that that's just a part of a streak here. And at some point he's going to come always people come down to reality. Hopefully that reality starts this Sunday. He did struggle last week. It was a rainy game. So it was one of those things where he didn't struggle with his legs, but he did struggle with the arm. And that's going to be the hard part for the Cardinals, right? Like being able to contain him, not just with his arm, but with his legs too. He's able to move around. They have a good run game. In addition, this defense has played well the last two weeks but are they going to be able to play to what they need to this weekend with a quarterback of this caliber? Yeah, and that's the other part of it. So we're talking about, oh, is this a good challenge for the Eagles in terms of what the Cardinals could be on paper? You can make the case when we look back across it, we know the Rams, certain teams that have been on the Cardinals slate, were not performing at the highest level when they took them on over the first four games. The Eagles mm-hmm. do seem like they're clicking on all cylinders. So I, I just... I have a hard time, but I will. I want to pull back here just for a moment, and we'll talk about betting lines here, and you know some of these, some of the more interesting matchups inside the game. But at a very high level, you and Gunner have talked about how push comes to shove. There's a couple elements here. One that seemingly it's Vance Joseph is more secure in his job right now with the Cardinals than Cliff Kingsbury is, which, which is also, so. Sc- think about that though, Adam. <laughs> two two weeks ago, we <laughs> said Vance Joseph is like out of here, and now it's like flipped within two weeks. Sometimes the best way to make yourself look like a 10 is stand next to a room full of twos. You know what I mean? And, and that's the strategy here for Vance Joseph. But, oh, man. But when, when you pull back and think about this team and this organization, if you're going to pull the plug on the head coach, if you're going to maybe pull the plug on a, on a defense, anyone, the coaching staff, the GM maybe is or is not going anywhere, is Kyler Murray understanding the money that they gave him? Like, but. It, it, it becomes hard, man, because the reboot that you could try to do with a new coaching staff, then all of a sudden is saying, though, too, and we got to fix the quarterback that we gave the money to. And if he still is a problem, if there's not a full buy-in from him, you, you could be two years away from having the exact same process all over again. It's such a daunting task, and it's just it is fascinating. If you go back to just before the playoffs last year, where the narratives were around Jalen Hurts and around Kyler Murray, they could not be more flipped in this moment going into a week five matchup. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we posed the question uh, last week where it was, is Kyler Murray, is it surprising that Kyler Murray's not where uh, Tua in Miami was and, and where uh, the Eagles and, and, and Hertz is, right? I mean, Tua is the best, where we he's are. probably the best comp. For, for a player of why isn't this happening? New head coach, mm-hmm. offensive, your turn guru, just like that. Got Tyree Kill in there. Look at us go, right? Why are Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler and, Murray and it, not getting it done? And it's not like the Cardinals haven't done the same thing. They traded yep. for DeAndre Hopkins to give him weapons. They traded for Zach Ertz to give him weapons. They now have traded for Hollywood Brown to give him weapons. So they've helped Kyler be comfortable in every way possible and to me, it like we keep saying every episode, it just boils down to that Cliff and Kyler relationship. And either they got to sit down in a locked room together for a week straight here and figure this out, or you know maybe during the bye week, I don't know. But they're going to need to get together and get in sync uh, because, as you saw, tensions boil over last week. We're early in the season. It's like, <laughs> that was week if, four. <laughs> if they're at each other's throats right now, where are they going to be in week eight? I mean, 
let, let, let's talk about the matchups here to not um we don't have to depress the fan base this early right there's, yeah. there's still a yeah, few days to it. go here no no but, and, and justifiably so. no hey, listen <laughs> I, you're, you're, you're in it man you're in it right now but we asked about aj brown didn't even mm-hmm. get to devonta smith didn't even really get to the you know zach Ertz era apparent that was dallas, dallas goddard, goddard yep. right like i you look across these stat lines here, man, through four games. Okay, A.J. Brown, 25 catches on 38 targets for 404 yards. Guess what? 18 for 266 for Smith, 16 for 240 for Goddard. Like, as good as I do think Vance Joseph has been able to start to get this, this defense going in the right direction, just playing a little bit faster, trying to keep them in ball games for as long as possible until the offense wakes up in most of these occasions, you got layers deep here. Where is your fear factor around? It seems like AJ Brown's going to get his, but when I think about explosive plays, Smith is the guy that I'm going to have some real concerns about burning this team over the top in an area, the secondary, where I think the Cardinals are very exposable on some dynamic plays. Yeah, the, the Cardinals' biggest concern defensively this whole season has been the cornerback room and the linebackers. Yep. Okay, so who's covering those three guys? Your corners and your linebackers. So. Uh, this is going to be the most <laughs> difficult matchup for Byron Murphy and co in the secondary, right? Byron Murphy's done a great job for all things considered containing certain guys, Cooper cup, Devonte Adams, uh, last, last weekend with DJ Moore. Um, they they've held a lot of guys in check, but have they really faced a three headed monster that they're going to go against this weekend. I don't think so. I I mean, the chiefs are still figuring the chiefs blew us out, but ultimately they don't have a threesome like the Eagles have yet. I mean, they haven't really put it together to the same degree. Um, So, you know, maybe, maybe the Raiders, I mean, maybe, but I think the Eagles are clicking up way better than, than the Raiders obviously are. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And like just broke out there, right. That was a nine catches for Devonte Adams the past week uh, yeah. for 101, but that took a while to get there. We know the Raiders record wise are struggling. Um, the so Eagles you, have, yeah, go ahead. I, I want to give you this nugget. The Eagles have 184 plays with the lead this season. That's the most in the NFL. The Cardinals <laughs> counter go ahead. Yeah. have 13 plays with the lead. That's this solid, season. Though. That's where solid. does that, where do you think that ranks 13 to 184? Where do you think you know the Cardinals what? fall out of 32 teams? It's got they got to be dead last, right? They got it. Yep, be. dead last. So you're playing first to dead last. I mean, and we, we gave that stat. You guys gave the stat uh, on Wednesday's show about the fact that the Eagles have put up more points in the last two games in the first half alone to be ahead of the Arizona Cardinals if you combined everything. I think it was something like 19 points over their first four games in the first half. So uh, mm-hmm. that's where I think the biggest concern is here from a game script standpoint. And, and, and I'll tell you that. When you think about, okay, what is this game going to look like? And I want to ask you about a couple of defensive notes here too. But when you think about the matchup, hey, if you can be in it, if, if at halftime you're down 10-7, 13-10, whatever the number looks like, if you're at least in it, then I think it gives you an opportunity. But if you let if Philly get up by two scores, and I'm talking 14 to three at halftime or 17 to six, whatever the number, I mean, that would be glorious to get six points in the first half for the Cardinals right now. I just do not see the world where with that defense across from you, now the pressure starts to come. Now Kyler Murray starts calling more of his <laughs> freak audibles at the line because he doesn't like what Cliff is doing. And I, this game feels like it's living on a razor thin margin of the Cardinals saying, hey, 
It's been a rough couple, you know, rough four weeks of the season to start. Even win or even win or lose, we got on track here against a really good Philly team. Or I think you could see active implosion. You could literally see on the sidelines the 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 crumbling of what is this current iteration of this team. Again, the only glimmer of hope going forward is that you got guys coming back. People are being activated off IR. DeAndre Hopkins was in the locker room on Wednesday. So uh, you got guys that are that are now the Cavalry's coming. So if, if you end up losing this game, which I think everyone kind of expects, um, you know, you're hoping for a win. I'm hoping for a win. I'll, I'll be jumping for joy if we can pull out this W this weekend. But at the end of the day, looking forward, again, it's just one game. But yep. but that's my concern is what you just said is hopefully this one game doesn't start even more of a trickle-down effect of turmoil in the locker room, right? Before you're getting these guys back, that should help sustain you a little bit better going forward. Yeah, no, for sure. Last thing that, that I want to check in on, um, the Eagles have been obviously dynamic offensively. What do you, Miles Sanders versus Jalen Hurts in terms of how you want the defense to approach it? Do you want to send a spy to be around a line of scrimmage whose sole focus is to try to keep track of Jalen Hurts and those 205 rushing yards that he has through four games of the season? Or do you have to accept that you try to stay at home and live with it? Because if it's me, I get how dynamic some of these guys are. But it, it, this isn't a scenario where you can say, well, we'll double team A.J. Brown. Sorry, Smith is going to be there, right? We're going to put a spy on Jalen Hurts. Sorry, you got Miles Sanders running away from you. Like, I think this is a big test for Vance Joseph to say, we're going to try to stay at home. We're going to try to play our system and just make it something that has to be earned. Avoid, like, if I'm, if I'm the Cardinals, I keep everything in front of me. I'll allow yeah. you to, to chunk your way down the field. Maybe we can tighten up and hold you to a field goal. I just, I cannot do the risk reward factor of letting some of these weapons get past me and get those big plays. Just keep Jalen Hurts from having those explosive plays, especially with his arms. His legs is his own thing. But if he starts doing it with his arms, then I feel like it's all but over. See, I'm a, <laughs> I'm almost a little different on this one. I almost okay. feel like because we give up the run pretty easily at times, um, you know, we, we did a good job last week with uh, Christian McCaffrey, but all things considered, I almost think you make Hurts beat you with the arm, and I get he's got a lot of weapons to do it with, yeah, yeah. but keep, <laughs> I almost think you, you want to shut down those legs, you want to keep him, you know, in the, in the pocket, keep him there, and, and, and allow him, if he's going to beat you at the arm, he beats you at the arm. At the end of the day, you're getting healthier in the secondary right now. Trayvon Mullen just got some action last week. Um, I, I think it sounds like Hamilton might be playing this week. I saw earlier that he did get some practice in after being reactivated. So I don't, I don't know if he's actually going to play or not, but if he does, you thought he was probably your, your best corner going into yeah, the season yeah. better than Byron Murphy is what they said. So uh, you might trust those guys to kind of do what they do. And, and yeah, you're going to get burned a few times, but, I mean, I'd almost like that better than Hertz running for a 40 yard or 50 yard scamper on you almost every time he does it. So uh, every yeah. time he tucks and runs. Yeah, I, I tell I, again, you're, I do, you're damned I'll, if you do, you're damned if you don't yeah. either way at this point. I mean, they've got too many weapons either way. And then defensively, same thing. Uh, how many points have they scored defensively and how many strips? I think I saw a stat earlier about strip sacks with them that since last year, the year before they have the most strip sacks in the NFL. Like they're, they're just, they're good all the way around. They're good. 
That's what, to me, what it comes down to. It's going to be a tough matchup in that regard. Let's take a quick look here at the betting lines. We mentioned there five, five and a half, depending on where you're looking, 49 and a half, the over under I'm a little, not to, I'm not trying to be negative here, but I'm almost surprised Mm -hmm. the line is five and is five or five. I am too. I I said, Gunner Gunner was saying to me that, you know, he's like, Oh, it's five and a half. I go, Gunner, that thing is going to balloon at this point. Go take that five and a half right now. Because, you know, it'll be seven, eight, nine points at some point throughout the week, especially as injury reports come out, things like that. Mm-hmm. And with this offensive line injury report coming out, I'm surprised it hasn't shifted just based on that. But yeah, no, I, I mean, that kind of blows me away that we're still at five and a half, which, hey, Vegas knows all. So if they think we're going within five and a half points, that makes me think we might, this may not be a blowout and we may be able to hang a little bit. Yeah, we'll have to see how it goes here. Um, a couple of things, as, as Gunner would normally do here, where is he looking? How can he make some money? Um, listen, I'm not here to uh, get crazy with it, but taking a look at first half winner, it's going to be like a minus 180, right, for Philadelphia, but we all kind of know where the stats are for the Cardinals. That might not be a terrible one to take a look at. You can also go over and get some money on the total first half points. Now, we mentioned earlier in the week, 24, I think 20 plus for the Eagles the last two weeks in the first mm-hmm. half. The over under is set at 24 and a half. So, so the big question here is will the Cardinals score at all? If they if they, if they score at all in the first half, we could be right in the sweet spot plus 105 uh, if you go ahead and take the over. So I might do that though because I think whatever's going to happen here with the Cardinals, I do like the idea that they get something going offensively here in the first half. Because, again, this isn't your back against the wall. You're a 500 team. You have some soft landing spots on the schedule. But you got to at least come out at home, by the way, where they struggle. But you got to come out and show some type of life here early in this one. So I might take a little look at the over there as well. I don't mind that. It's, again, me being an optimist that the Cardinals will come out ready to play right away. But through four games, they haven't shown us that they've done that. So, I, I mean, I don't know what they would have done magically in practice with their offensive guru of head coach to correct those things, but maybe, I mean, Rondell Moore now back for his second straight week. Maybe you've incorporated him a little more and get him going. You know maybe what? Find Greg note. Dorch, bring him back a little Greg Dorch action. Well, it's funny. And one last, one last note on that because Greg Dorch became invisible the, the last game. And I know I dropped really him in him. every league. I dropped you, him but, but in guess every what? fantasy league. As you should. And the no. reason why is no, but it's true. <laughs> because when it comes to when it comes to you know certain players, right? Greg mm-hmm. Dorch, it's like I know Isabella got got released finally, right? And and Cardinals fans rejoice. And little peek behind the curtain here. You've mentioned it before. I'm a Giants, you know, Giants fan. I cover the Giants as well. Giants fans, oh, we should get 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 Isabella in here. You know, the Giants wide receiver room is depleted. The Giants have been mm-hmm. running out Richie James and David Sills. These guys are your fifth, sixth depth chart wide receiver practice squad guys. When you get bullish on someone because they flash a couple of times, you got to rein yourself in because they always play back to the mean. They always come back to what they truly are. And that's why I think even though you sometimes see better stat lines for guys and you get excited about them, you need Rondell Moore to become what he's supposed to become. You need Nuke True. to get back on this field so that he can pair up with Hollywood Brown. Because then you have, in theory, one of the more dynamic, fast, threatening tandems at the wide receiver position. And that can change what this offense looks like. I, I, that's what happens, I think, too often. We all get giddy over that little bubble-up performance from a cup player over two or three weeks. I always try to take the long view. What has the guy shown me over two, three years that I can rely on? I didn't know him. 
Tyler, that Isabella has caught four balls over the last two years in 11 games. Like, I, I couldn't even imagine what this guy was doing. I, no wonder why Cardinals fans wanted him released. They, here, here's the thing, though. They don't give him snaps either, though. Like, I'm not going to put all this on Andy. I will say, though, like last last time well, he, he did 20, get it. He has under 30 career receptions. I, they don't give him opportunity either. So, I mean, I get it. If you're not going to play the guy, let him go. Let him go somewhere else at this. And he doesn't play special teams. So it doesn't help his cause, sure. right? Like, like if you're a guy that is the fifth, sixth guy, you need to figure out how to specialize in something. Special yeah. teams is usually the place. And Andy just never did that. So ultimately, Andy said, all right, we'll see you. And you got to hope to fall in a spot, which he did Baltimore. I mean, I was talking to a buddy yesterday that is a Baltimore diehard. And he was saying, hey, I think he may- that makes Andy our, our number four. Like so, instantly, <laughs> yeah. How 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 dark is the is the post game podcast if Isabella catches five balls for sixty five oh. yards in his debut for the Ravens? <laughs> well, it sounds like he. I mean, based on what my buddy said, it sounds like he's going to get some Tapping action this week or next week. I mean, he's going to get going. But yeah, no, I, I would like to see Rondo Moore get more acclimated, be yeah. the guy that that you want him to be. Uh, but to do that, you got to send him down the field. You got to stop doing this stuff behind the line of scrimmage with him. That's never worked. I don't know when that worked here in Arizona for Cliff to be like, yep, that's what we're doing every time with Rondell Moore. Um, it hasn't at all. He had a couple good games to start the season last year, but a couple of those plays were down the field. He's yeah. quick. Move him down the field. Get him open. Make plays. Uh, oh, yeah, let's get our predictions in here before we get out the door. Obviously, uh, listen, man, James Connor, I don't know what your deal back. is. <laughs> oh. Break George, bounce back game. Here we go. And I well, and I will not take. I will not stand here as producer Adam, the fill-in host. That's right. Gives Greg Dorch slander. That's right. On the kickoff in the Valley podcast. That will not happen on my watch, folks. I'm telling you right now, Dorch bounces back this week. He was not a three-week guy. The guy, he was third in separation in the NFL in those weeks. He was great. Yep, he is yep. not a Jeremy Lin flash in the pan, never come back again. He he is going to step up for us. I see it. I'm calling it now. But yes, give your prediction. Yeah, listen, I think one thing that I'd like to see from the Cardinals in this one, you had talked about James Conner, not necessarily towing the line the way we want him to with 3.2 yards per carry. You know, Benjamin has certainly been effective. I don't hate the idea of getting a couple of dual dual running back backfields going behind Kyler Murray, whether it's in shotgun or under center. Give yourself an opportunity to utilize what is a nice skill set for them because you go inside that receiving room. It is Marquise Brown. It is going to Hollywood, as we affectionately refer to him. Greg Dorch and Zach Ertz at the top. But guess what? You got 13 and nine receptions for Connor and Benjamin, respectively. They're averaging over seven seven yards per reception. You got to utilize those guys. So if you're uncertain about how to be more dynamic, how to create more opportunities, I always say, take your most talented players, get them on the field as much as possible. So maybe they take a look to do that. Uh, listen, I would love as a Giants fan to sit here and tell you that the Cardinals are going to pull this upset. Um, there it is. Book just, it. I just, I just, don't, you know what, what, by the way, what do I care? I'm going to call for a Cardinals to win it, baby. I think that they put up 10, count them, 10 first half points and they keep themselves in this ball game. I think the defense maybe catches one of those Jalen Hurts, Aaron throws over the middle, looking for AJ Brown, gets a turnover, changes field position. Give me those, give me those red birds, not those dirty green ones. Give me the Arizona Cardinals to win this one outright at home, turning around their season, saving Cliff Kingsbury's job. Give me 27-26, barn burner. 
producer Adam just went full on baby face on the pod. He has completely turned the audience uh, in his favor. And me and Gunner are now the biggest heels in the biz. So with that being said, um, I'll, hell, the Cardinals are due at home. I don't. You almost can't, games, you can't, you, you can't, games, you can't pick against them now. You can't well, pick I've against lost, them. Now. I've also lost count how many games we've lost at home in a row. Um, it feels like a million at this point. So what the hell? Why not? Cardinals win. And honestly, let's say Cardinals win big. Let's say 35, 35, uh, 17. Oh, it's an explosion. It's an explosion going away. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and I, gentlemen, I, well, why look, not? Look, look, What's going to happen is the Cardinals are going to come in and they're going to hit him with the uppercut and then the mm-hmm. jab and then the straight. And they're just, you know, they're going to go for that mm-hmm. knockout punch. And, and the Eagles have never seen it coming. That's what's going to happen. Why don't I you do it. producer Adam a favor, right? Get the Eagles upset so they beat the Dallas Cowboys next week. Anyway, friends, why don't you go ahead and tell them, Tyler, where can the people get the show, get the podcast, and get their fill of Cardinals coverage? Yeah, biggest thing, you need to subscribe, right? Like, I, I actually did it. I'm usually a Google podcast guy, but I recently mm-hmm. converted. Everyone tells me, don't listen to Pandora because that's where I go to for music. They say, go, I got to go to Spotify. So I actually went to get the podcast on the Spotify and I hit the subscribe button. And that little notification that comes through every time an episode drops. There is no sweeter thing. The only sweeter thing is maybe to mute a troll on Twitter. But other mm-hmm. than that, um, yeah, you got to go subscribe anywhere you find podcasts. Go to cardinalspodcast.com and you can pick from a menu of places uh, to listen to the podcast. The biggest thing, yeah, a buffet. Go ahead and subscribe and then make sure you listen. Every episode we drop Wednesday, Friday, and of course, post game. We will see you this weekend after Cardinals Eagles for the post game show and right make here. sure you kick off. no, no, I got it. Make okay, sure you always in there. <laughs> kick off in the Valley. That's a, that's a little good. Uh-